welcome to another Philanthropy Plugged In podcast, a series exploring the intersection of technology, gender, and giving. My name is Jeannie Sager, and I'm the director of the Women's Philanthropy Institute and your host for this podcast series. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, we will explore the world of the social entrepreneur with two women founders who are passionate about using technology for good. Rachel Klausner and Tiffany Williams have created apps, Millie and Gively, that demystify the charitable giving process and focus on making it easy to be generous. We are excited to learn more about your journeys. Rachel and Tiffany, thank you for being part of Philanthropy Plugged In. You bring different backgrounds to this work. Rachel as a software designer and Tiffany as a fundraiser. I know that our listeners would really be interested in learning a little bit more about each of you. So please take a few moments to introduce yourselves and tell us how you came to launch the app and briefly describe your platform. Sure. Um, hi, I'm Rachel Klausner. Um, I'm the founder of Millie. And uh, like you said, prior to this, Jeannie, I was actually a, a software designer or a product designer, some people call it. Um, spent a lot of years working in the startup space, uh, just building fun software for folks to do different things, mostly to spend money um, at retail stores online. Um, and that obviously kind of ate at me a little bit because I always was really passionate about social impact and my parents always kind of pushed me to give back. Um, and I, uh, my husband and I are religious, so we give, you know, a certain percentage of our income every year. Um, and I realized, uh, two years ago that the dollars I was giving, um, I was giving almost none of that out of my own kind of choices or to the causes that I decided I cared about. It was really through almost exclusively through my peers on social media or asking online um, that were doing run, walk rides or events or whatever. And really it had nothing to do with what I cared about. Um, and so that's how Millie was born was how do we help young people uh, specifically kind of this millennial generation find the causes they care about and also kind of give out of their own passion. Um, and so that's, that's how Millie started. Thank you, Rachel. Um, I'm Tiffany Williams. I've been helping nonprofits strengthen their operations and advance fundraising efforts as a consultant for about 10 years. Um, I really created Gively to essentially um, satisfy a need I saw in the nonprofit profit and philanthropy sector. Um, nonprofits were really looking for a way to, to engage their donors and share, you know, their financial needs um, in a way that was easier and more effective than traditional ways. So think, um, you know, email or snail mail or trying to navigate uh, social media algorithms. Um, and then what I also saw was that donors wanted a central place to house all of their philanthropy. They wanted to be responsive to the needs of the organizations they cared about, and I believe bear witness to the impact of their philanthropic investments. Um, and so really Gively was designed to satisfy those needs 
for example, if an animal shelter uh, who's using Ghibli, uh, you know, had a need, um, they may send a message through the app to their donors to say, hey, we just rescued 10 puppies. Can you pitch in $15 to help us? And donors can really quickly respond um, and contribute to that cause. Um, their donor information is already saved, their payment information. Um, and once they give on the app, it tracks their giving. So there's an opportunity for donors to set a giving goal for the year. And every time they make a donation through the app to any organization, um, it tracks their giving through, uh, through the app and toward their goal. So uh, really, you know, it was born out of just 10 years of seeing, uh, you know, a need in the industry and then working really hard to, to create something that satisfied it. Thank you so much, Tiffany. So let's just go ahead and dive in. Um, Rachel, the very name of your app, Millie, hints about the audience that you want to reach. Tell us more about how you determined the audience and the best way to reach them. Yeah, so um, Millie is obviously, as, as I kind of alluded to earlier, it's named after millennials. Um, and that's because when we were doing early research around giving um, and giving behavior, we realized there was this big gap in uh, kind of, or difference, I should say, in how uh, millennials were giving versus generations before them. We were giving, like I said, like my own experience, almost exclusively through our peers and not on our own, um, which is why you'll hear when you talk to almost anyone that works in the nonprofit space, everyone saying like, how do we engage millennials? How do we engage millennials? It's kind of like a hot topic because people feel like they don't know how to engage them because they're so different in how they give than previous generations. Um, and so that's kind of how we started. Um, and that's, that, that was our initial focus. Um, we have since um, kind of shifted within that where now our main focus and the main uh, kind of uh, use case on Millie is actually companies that are using us to do their um, employee match. So they're doing kind of all their corporate giving. So we're still, we still have a lot of millennial users, but they're actually often engaging with us through their companies and their companies are doing a match through us. And so it's shifted a little bit in how we approach it. We used to just go after millennials and just get them to kind of come on board and start giving. And now we actually do it through their companies, which is very different. Tiffany, what about your audience? Um, what about who did you want to engage? Um, your app just launched. What's happening so far? <laughs> so, so we really wanted to um, go after an audience that was, um, you know, already transacting through multiple applications. So think, you know, ride sharing or food delivery or retail, um, you know, app users. So people who are already pretty comfortable transacting um, through apps, which we know um, is quickly becoming the way, you know, people transact now. Um, and for nonprofits, we wanted, you know, to, to think about how we could partner with forward thinking nonprofits um, that had needs that kind of arise throughout the year, right? Because, um, you know, it really, was a matter of saying, um, you know, when you have a specific need, how can you reach your, you know, your donor pool um, so that they can give right away to the cause that you espoused. And so um, that's really, you know, who we were thinking about in terms of the audience. Um, we also were, you know, really wanting to engage nonprofits that weren't just thinking about solicitation, but also thinking about how to steward their, their donors after 
um, they you know, made a request, right? So essentially that same scenario I shared earlier where an animal shelter may say, hey, can you, you know, pitch in $15 for this? You know, ideally a week later, they would send out another message, you know, maybe with a picture of the puppies saying, hey, look what you helped us do, right? So it was a matter of not just, um, you know, asking for the gift, but also showing the impact um, of donors who supported the causes um, that they requested. So yes, we just launched. Um, so what, what's happening right now is we're getting the word out, right? We're getting the word out to nonprofits who uh, are looking for a way to engage their donors um, and who aren't just looking for kind of a static kind of, uh, you know, giving platform, but one that really um, mixes the giving with the donor engagement. There's in-app messaging, there's, um, you know, text messaging with the app. And so uh, that, that really is kind of, you know, where we are right now. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, we do know that apps don't pop up overnight, <laughs> although it may seem that way to your user. So this question is for both of you. Um, why, can you share some of the high moments and maybe one or two challenges that you have encountered in developing the app? Uh, sure, I'll go ahead. This is Rachel. Um, yeah, there were definitely, with startups, as we all know, there's just crazy highs and lows. Um, so I would, let's start with the lows because the highs are always fun to end with. Um, probably the lowest moment of Millie was actually um, in development. Uh, we, we knew we needed to set aside some time for um, Apple's app store because we started as a, as a mobile app to actually approve the app. So we kind of set aside a week or two, not really realizing the repercussions of that. And we had everything set up to launch. We had a whole bunch of media outlets that um, we had previewed the app to that were going to write about us on that launch day. Um, and sure enough, as we gave ourselves just that week or two buffer, we were totally blown out of the water because the app store has the right to kind of do whatever they want and make whatever rules that they want. And we had a really hard time um, kind of getting through the app store. Um, and so we, we followed all the guidelines that they had written, but then when we got the app back, they said that they rejected it on the basis of a rule that they said they didn't have in the rule book, but they reserved the right to make the rules. So we had this, like, we had spent months developing this and it was kind of the basis of the app, what they were saying we needed to take out. Um, and so we were just having this really hard time trying to figure out, like, are we even going to be able to launch this? Like they just flat out rejected it. And we're like, this is not okay. So we, um, we, we, you know, hunkered down and, and worked really hard. We were on the phone with them all the time, trying to figure out exactly what they, you know, the nuances that they wanted to fit these new guidelines that they hadn't written down yet. Um, and so it took us a while and it pushed off our launch a lot, but I remember at the time when they first rejected it, I was like, this is over. <laughs> like All of our efforts for nothing. Um, so anyone who's developing any sort of apps, just give yourself some time. Um, for, for, the, for Google, you do not have to give yourself that much time. It's about a 20-minute turnaround, and they'll almost always approve it. But um, Apple's pretty tough. Um, and I've heard, as it happened, spoke to a lot of my friends that had released apps, and everyone had a similar story. So I think that was like a good learning for me. Like I probably should have spoken to a bunch more people and realized that this is just what happened. Um, so that was 
fun. And I like, also it was so funny cause I'm such an Apple person and I'm on my Mac and I'm on my, you know, iPhone and I'm like, all I wanted to do was like, throw it against the wall. Um, and I didn't thankfully so that I didn't have to spend another few thousand dollars on their products. Um, but yeah, so that, that was kind of our, our low moment. Um, and our, our positive moment was actually, I mean, we've had a, a bunch of great ones. Uh, we've had some amazing people that have worked with us and just, we've had a lot of fun, but one of the coolest ones was actually um, Oprah Magazine reached out to us during our beta. So we were like not even kind of like fully out there yet. We were just like a fraction of the product and we were in this like beta phase and, and they reached out to us and they're like, oh, we want to highlight you as like the top things of the month in our magazine and like their print version. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, you don't even know how many bugs we have. No, I didn't say that, but I was like, this is, so that was really cool for us. That was definitely a high moment just because I think for the first time it felt like, wow, like this is reaching places. Like we didn't reach out to them. We didn't do it. You know, they just, they saw it somehow and, and, and loved it and wanted to talk about it. So that was really fun and exciting. That's Tiffany, so what about you? <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, so being a tech founder is just a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> and I know, uh, you know, Rachel can, can attest to this, but I mean, you really kind of, um, you know, you have an idea, you want to make it happen, but actually creating something out of nothing is hard to do. Um, and I'm not a, I'm not a techie person, right? Like I know how to do some things, but my background is in fundraising. So I, I knew what I wanted the app to have, but, um, I really had to depend on someone else to essentially like build it. Right. Um, and so really I would say, um, there have been low moments, um, you know, particularly our first developer just could not make it happen. And, um, you know, after, um, you know, about a year of, you know, going around and around with them, uh, we, we had to, um, you know, just cut the relationship. And it, it was hard because we had spent money, we had spent time. Um, and so, you know, then it was kind of back to square one. So I actually started, um, you know, kind of uh, getting Ghibli together almost two years ago we're just now launching and it really just uh you know it's motivating yourself when you're the only one uh you know there to there to do it and and really um keeping true to um why you decided to do this thing right I will say that of um, anytime there was a low moment, my mom calls them God winks. And they're like little things along the way that let you know that you're on the right track. So just keep going. And so I particularly remember, I mean, we had a website up and it was just kind of landing, you know, landing page. And so somebody could, you know, message us or contact us, but we had no platform yet. And I remember, um, you know, you know, who knows what the situation was, but I probably was just crying all night about it. And, you know, so Something had to be done and I got an email and it was just a lady um, you know I don't know her um, and she was in Ohio and she just said hey this looks really cool when is it you know when is it gonna be out and it was just kind of like okay get up in the morning and start all over you know um, <laughs> so you know so you know there are low moments there are really high moments um, having you know being able to demo the product um, after our you know testing and the site going live and it worked you know, uh, it, you know, it actually did the thing we designed it to do, <laughs> uh, you know, so that was, you know, cause for a glass of wine or two, uh, but it's, you know, <laughs> you have the highs and the lows and you just kind of have to ride that roller coaster. Um, 
And Rachel, I totally get the Apple situation, girl. <laughs> so we kind of knew going in that um, getting uh, on the Apple App Store would be a little challenging because it is a giving app, right? And so there's like, you know, transacting money and all this kind of great stuff just kind of adds a, a, a different um, barrier. Uh, and so we first launched um, as a progressive web app. So essentially you can go on, uh, you know, onto the website, you can, um, you know, download essentially the app to your phone and save it to your home screen and it works as an app. Um, we um, are right now in the process of the approval for the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. Um, but it's, it's workable now, it's usable now and, and you know, donors uh, and nonprofits can use it in its current state. So still going through that one, Rachel. <laughs> I, I have written down God winks. I yes. think I'll be, I'll be using that uh, moving forward. I love that. Thank you, Tef Tiffany. Um, so kind of still building on this challenge highlights question, but in a different way. We've heard a lot about how hard it is for women entrepreneurs in particular to find funding. Um, maybe share a little bit with our listeners about um, your experience um, in this space in terms of was funding a challenge? Um, um, just walk us through that. Um, sure, I can dive in. This is Rachel. Um, yeah, funding is always a fun topic to discuss. Um, and I think everyone has very different experiences and comes from different places. Um, for us, we were, uh, so last summer, we set out to raise um, just an angel round of funding. So it's typically kind of the first round of funding and uh, not, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money, but not, not too astronomical. Like you hear what VCs uh, give to companies and we, so it was, it was an interesting um, exercise uh, because typically when you talk to angel investors and the way usually angel investors tend to invest is, they're usually uh, previous operators, so they were they were entrepreneurs themselves, or, or had worked at startups that had done well, or some stuff like that, and and were kind of looking to back the next startups. But really, what they were looking to back, and and many will admit, they really look for people that remind them of themselves, but like decades earlier, right? They, it's just how it how it works. Um, many have said that to me, right? Like, oh, you remind me of me, right? That's that's generally what they say. And it's, it's, and I think the gender uh, bias is very interesting there because almost every um, angel investor I met with outside of a very small handful, um, I would say about 90% of them were men. So there is this weirdness where most of those men aren't going to say that about me. They're not going to say, oh, you remind me of me when I was your age, right? It's just not something they would say nor feel generally. I mean, maybe, but usually they don't have that. Um, they don't, they don't have those feelings. So there is this weirdness, I think, especially when you're investing, um, when you're trying to get investments, angels who are really just trying to back the, the people remind them of themselves that this gender bias is huge. And I think it's just a lot, you know, in, in 20 or 30 years, this will play to our benefit because there are so many female founders today. And, and I think there are just more and more women getting out there and starting businesses that when those women do well, they'll sure come back and start annual investing. And there will be more women to say, oh yeah, that, you know, you remind me of me. But um, there's definitely like in general biases that happen when people are angel investing because 
I mean, and investing in general, because they tend to take signals from the market and the signals from the market or from their own experiences tend to sway one way, especially when it comes to gender or race. So, um, so that was definitely interesting. Um, we have the great, we ended up with a, an amazing group of investors um, and I feel very lucky. I think all of them invested because they believed in our mission, um, which is really what we wanted because we wanted people to come on this journey with us, uh, not just to like build the huge company, but like really to, to make sure that we were thoughtful about our impact at every point in our, in our journey. Um, so yeah, it's, but I, I think there's definitely a bias. I think uh, I feel weird talking about it because the more we talk about it, the more the bias I, I really do believe exists. Like, I think there's this balance of like, yes, we need to talk about it to address it. But I think there's also like this detriment to us as women when we talk about, you know, the disparity, because then it gets in our head. And I, I find myself doing it when I go to investors like, oh, are they not going to give me the money because I'm a woman? Am I freezing this the wrong way? Am I, you know, and so I think like we need to talk about it, but we also need to be careful to like put ourselves in check and not make it the focus of everything we talk about. Otherwise, it might take over your fundraising experience. I'm going to guess that Tiffany has some things to share about this and <laughs> her experience as well. I think she might be able to relate. So, you know, this is Tiffany. So I, you know, again, didn't come from the tech space or the startup space. When I first, um, you know, conceptualized Gidley, I did a program at a big tech hub here called 1871 um, here in Chicago. And they have a, they have a program called Wisdom Women uh, in, you know, tech and STEM. And, uh, and it really shed a lot of light on funding. And, you know, we know the numbers, right? We know that a very, very small percentage of VC funding goes to women and even smaller percentage of that goes to women of color. And so, um, you know, I, I knew right away that I could not thank um, the success of Ghibli on whether or not I would be able to get funding for it. And so, you know, what that looked like for me is um, I decided, you know, I'm going to work <laughs> really hard and invest a lot of my own um, money. Bootstrapping is what we call it in startup world um, to, to really just get the platform done, get it built and start the marketing. And so um, I had to learn how to do a lot myself. Right. I had to learn, um, you know, how to go in and, you know, change my own websites and how to use other tech platforms to create sequencing and funneling and, you know, watched a lot of, you know, YouTube videos to learn what other people were doing. I mean, it really, um, you know, I knew going in, I was going to have to be scrappy and you know, I heard from both sides, both, uh, you know, women who had been funded um, and then those who had not been funded and really, you know, kind of got the pros and the cons from from both uh, worlds. And um, for me, I just decided, you know, I want to I want to build it. I want to get it out there. I want to get it some traction so that it can be more attractive if we need to pursue funding. Um, but for now, I'm really hoping that, um, you know, that revenues from the platform will um, help us, you know, grow it, uh, and we can continue doing uh, the work of, you know, partnering with nonprofits without outside funding for now, right? There are some really great things <laughs> we have down the line that I think we're probably going to need some funding for. But for now, I want to get some traction and see, see how it goes and where it goes. So, 
Well, I couldn't have asked for uh, two better models um, in terms of funding to be able to provide to our listeners as they as they think through this. Uh, so thank you for sharing both of those stories. Um, so kind of back to this revenue generating uh, uh, with regards to your apps. Why don't you share with our listeners how Millie and Givley identify nonprofits to engage donors? Um, in particular, kind of looking at um, how you may or may not leverage art artificial intelligence in this process. Um, and if so, how do you address implicit bias? Yeah, you know, I love this question. This is Rachel. Um, uh, so yeah, we, so the way our platform works, we're, uh, we're considered a donor platform. So we actually have every single nonprofit kind of registered 501c3 in the U.S. on the platform already. And we've pulled in that data from the IRS's um, kind of database. And so every nonprofit has a profile and then it's, you know, it's bare. It has some things that are pulled in from the 990, like financial data and, and a few other things. But then on top of that, nonprofits can actually go in and we have this whole online builder that allows them to build out and claim their profile. And, and that profile is then on the app and on the web app. Um, but what we, what we do with that is once nonprofit claims a profile, they are now in this pool of nonprofits that are what we call like personalization mode. So uh, as a user, every week, we actually match you with three nonprofits that we uh, think you would like based on your location and your behavior within the app. Um, and so we, I always love talking about implicit bias here because that, there are crazy ramifications of that, right? Like, how, A, how are we determining those three each week? Right. I think every nonprofit I've spoken to is like, well, how do I get to be one of the three, you know, and and everyone has different ones. So in a given week, like I could have a different one from Tiffany and from Jeannie, like you, we all could have different nonprofits being matched with us. Um, and so what we've done and, and we haven't curbed at all the implicit bias. We're just trying to kind of keep it in check somewhat. Um, so the way we do it is uh, it's based on behavior around this tag based them we call it so basically every nonprofit gets about 10 to 20 different tags that are relevant to what they do and then as you as a user donate to a nonprofit with those tags you might start to with similar tags and then as you start to give and click and all that stuff it gets to be smarter and smarter kind of like when you go on Amazon or network they know everything about you and know what you're gonna next um, we do that in a little different way of take all behavioral things that you're doing and we and we kind of bring it back to you with recommendations um, and then another slot of those three is actually location based so we take your location that you give us you know you tell us the zip code you're in and then we pull in uh, local nonprofits because we found that most people tend to um, lean towards giving local especially in this demographic um, and then the last one is actually what we do to try and uh, kind of suppress the implicit bias as much as possible as we actually randomize it. So um, one slot is always like a random nonprofit. So you might get on there and be like, what does this have to do with me? And that's because we want to make sure that um, the system, the personalization aspect isn't pigeonholing what you see. Um, and so that's kind of how we try and uh, make it a little bit better. But still, there's so much. I think using AI and using kind of algorithms to determine what people do and see and 
there's a lot of kind of murky territory there. Um, and so we're just always kind of trying to think about like, how do we make sure that we're not, um, you know, we're not having too much of a hand in where people are donating, right? We want to help people, but we don't want to push people. And so that's kind of where the balance that we're trying to strike is. And this is Tiffany. So uh, Ghibli works um, differently in that we don't necessarily send nonprofits to the, the users. Um, and so our, um, you know, we don't have quite as much to do in terms of trying to navigate um, uh, implicit bias. What happens is nonprofits encourage their own don donor base to, uh, you know, download the app so they can just say like text, you know, Ghibli to 77948 uh, or, you know, go here, they can send out a message. Message. Um, so, so essentially, they nonprofits can you know get their own donors and users mm -hmm. on there. And once those users are on there, they favorite the organization. So it's just you know they're tapping a little heart once they find the organization's profile. And so all you know uh, of the messaging from that nonprofit goes from that nonprofit goes straight to their donor. So they don't necessarily they don't have the capability to send uh, donor messages to other donors that are on the app just theirs essentially. Um, so for example, a church would have its own parishioners on there. Um, a university would have its own alumni on there. And so, you know, their, their interactions are kind of one-to-one -one on that. Um, and so, so we, we encourage all nonprofits to, to get on and, uh, you, know, you know, create their profiles. We, you know, to, you know, have all of the information for nonprofits, we uh, do a triple check screening to make sure that the nonprofit organization really is a legal, uh, you know, entity registered uh, in the U.S. Um, as a nonprofit organization. Um, and then, you know, um, if somebody, for example, is a donor and they don't have a nonprofit that they, um, you know, give to on a regular basis and they're searching for one, there's a search mechanism in the app so they can go, you know, just they can search by sector. Um, so some people may have an affinity for education causes or for animal or environmental or whatever. Um, and so they can, they can, you know, give that way or they can search by name. So we really allow users to choose their own you know, um, nonprofits that they want to donate to. So we've talked about kind of that nonprofit space. So um, how how those organizations um, use your apps. Let's talk a little bit about um, the other side um, from the donor side, as you said. Um, what feedback have you received from donors who have engaged on your platforms and what are you seeing that's exciting them? Yeah, this is Rachel here. Uh, what we've noticed with Millie is um, probably the most surprising thing that we noticed throughout this experience is that people, we built this like really hacky tool at the beginning when we first launched our beta. We hid it from everyone. You had to like click a few clicks to get to it. We built it for ourselves to actually use to engage with like Instagram influencers to get them to use the app. And it was this gifting feature that allowed you to gift charitable dollars to someone else and then they could give the money. So probably not thinking about other people, really just thinking about our own options. We built this tool um, and from our beta launch, realized that over half of our users were actually going in and giving gifts, charitable gifts to other people, sending um, charitable cash, like we call it. Um, and yet, like it was becoming this like main feature that people were using. So that was really exciting for us and has definitely shaped um, how we've shifted Millie. Uh, some of the features within Millie, like gifting is now one of the focal points. It's kind of donate or gift. 
Um, and now we have physical gift cards. So even just last night, I sent out a few gift cards that people ordered. And so gift cards is really this, uh, both digital and physical gift cards have just become this popular way for people to um, engage in giving. We've seen a lot of parents use it and grandparents use it to gift money to their kids to then use on the app. Um, and actually our best piece of feedback was this dad who um, messaged us and said that he uses the app with his kids every Tuesday, like when we release the new personalized matches, um, every Tuesday at dinner and they go through and decide where they want to give, uh, which I thought was really sweet and I love it. Um, I think my kids are like a little too young. I tried to do it with them. They're three and a half and two. And they were like, what is this? <laughs> they just judged it by the pictures. And I was like, that is not the point of this. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was, that was really cool. And I think um, what it, it definitely showed us that until you get your product in the market, you just have no idea what people are going to want to engage with, right? Like we were building some of these tools within the platform that we thought people love and it was going to be this cool, like, weird triangle thing. I don't know. It was like crazy with these crazy ideas. And ultimately it was the thing that we just didn't expect that people that resonated with folks. So definitely tried to uh, learn from our users because they usually know what's best. <laughs> uh, that's so interesting. So obviously we just launched, so um, we don't have a whole lot of information yet about how uh, donors are using it. But uh, for the ones, um, you know, who have given feedback so far, I think uh, I, you know, I have to be selfish. I, I created this feature really kind of for me. So at the end of every year, uh, you know, when you're getting ready to send your taxes, you're like, okay, what all did I get to? You know, and you're like going in trying to find, you know, email receipts and all that kind of great stuff. And so I built uh, a feature in the app where you, it tracked your giving, right? So all of your giving was in one place. And even if you give, make a gift outside of the app, say you're at a gala or something like that, and you know, you make a gift right on the spot, you can then manually add that and it tracks, you know, in your little my philanthropy profile as well. And I think that has been uh, the biggest feedback, you know, people are like, you know, Thank you. So when tax times come, I can just export all of this information and I know exactly how much I've given and I know exactly where I've given it to um, without having to search for it. So I think um, I actually um, was on a plane headed somewhere and was jotting down like, what do I want in an app if I'm a donor? And I was like, you know, coming up with all this stuff. And that's, you know, that's kind of where we started with Ghibli, putting it in there. Um, I totally agree with Rachel. Like, you just don't know uh, what people are going to identify with. Um, when we did our first round of testing, my mom was one of the testers. So it's like, you know, here, <laughs> use this and like, just do whatever you do with it, right? Like, I, I won't direct you in any way. And she was like, what's a philanthropy goal? And I was like, oh, that is interesting because it's my jargon. I'm in this industry and I know what that means, right? It means how much do you want to give, you know, throughout the year or whatever. And, you know, to somebody who doesn't use that word a whole lot, she had no idea. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, listening and, you know, even when you build something, you may find that the words you're using to convey the message or how that's being done is different from, you know, how people receive it. Uh, and so that's been an interesting part of navigating how we introduce and how I demo it to nonprofits and how we create videos for users um, so they understand essentially what they're supposed to be yeah. doing in the app. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, so uh, thank you again for your time. I, but I do want to end with a final question. Um, with both Ghibli and Millie, 
you have introduced a new way for people to be generous. Um, and so um, it's clear that uh, your creativity, your innovation um, have made you futurists in this space. <laughs> so um, real briefly, um, and kind of as your final thought, what does the future hold for donors and giving um, from this experience that you've just had? Um, yeah, this is real. Um, I, I'm real, and maybe this is my biases coming in, but I'm really excited about where uh, corporate giving and corporate philanthropy is going. I think we're just getting started. I think it's only been table stakes for large enterprise companies. Um, and now, especially seeing the world in crisis, uh, we're just seeing companies of all sizes really feel, um, A, you know, obviously the need through this, but also like, how do we fit into the world and how do we give back? Um, so I think I'm really excited to see where kind of corporate social responsibility goes. And, and I think right now it's such a slim uh, piece of the philanthropy world, but I really do believe in 10 years we're going to be like, Corporate philanthropy is going to be such a big part of philanthropy. I think companies are going to, instead of spending X dollars on marketing, I think a huge chunk of those marketing dollars are going to then shift to CSR and they're going to utilize CSR, you know, in marketing. And I think we're already seeing a lot of CSR departments kind of be born out of marketing and with it comes bigger budgets. And so I'm really excited to see kind of the much bigger landscape of how how much more money we can get in philanthropy through companies that are starting to realize that this is this is just they need it. It's stable stakes. Like you need you need to have some sort of give back program in order to to you know be a great business and 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 do well. Interesting. Tiffany, what about you? Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about how technology is going to shift and change the way we do philanthropy as um, individuals, right? We know 70% of dollars that are given, um, you know, in this country uh, is, is given by individuals saying, hey, this is a cause I care about or I have an affinity toward this particular organization. And I think for, um, you know, a long time, you know, um, Nonprofits have not kind of engaged in the tech, you know, sector in terms of their um, philanthropy. Um, and I think that all of these great new products are just going to help them kind of come into the, the space of easy giving and easy uh, transacting and being able to reach their, their donors and this new generation of donors uh, like never before. I also think, um, uh, you know, people are starting to be more intentional with their philanthropy and, and starting to say, hey, how much do I give in a year? How generous am I really? And I think, um, you know, features like creating a giving goal and tracking toward that is just going to help aid, um, you know, folks in, in determining how generous or philanthropic they really are and how generous and philanthropic they, they want to be. Um, and I think also research shows that people want to know where their money is going. Going more and more, right? So generations pass, uh, you know, and I've seen this in just in the work uh, as well. Um, you know, organizations say, "Oh, they trust us to make great decisions about how the money is being spent," and I think that is definitely still a part of why people give. They trust the organizations, they trust the leadership, but more and more people are saying, "Okay, show me how you know this giving is split out, right?" And so they they want to make sure that they're being responsible with their philanthropic dollars, and so. 
I think any um, platforms and uh, you know any technology and any um, anything that can help donors be more generous and, and be more philanthropic and be more intentional in their um, you know in, in investing in their communities uh, and, and helping nonprofits also um, you know do their jobs even better right uh, is going to be helpful. So I imagine a future where when nonprofits say you know we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, they also say and we're on Giddly. Yeah. Ah, very nice. <laughs> and I think that connects really nicely to what Rachel's saying about um, uh, CSR programs and corporate social responsibility programs that, yeah. that that's going to extend um, just as donors want to know where their money is going in the nonprofit space. They're also going to want to know that as a consumer. So those two tie in really nicely to where the future is going <laughs> um, um, and what that future holds for our donors of giving. But it's clear that technology is going to continue to play a major role. So I can't think of two better um, representatives um, in that space than Tiffany Williams and Rachel Klausner. So thank you so much for joining us today on Philanthropy Plugged In. And um, I look thank forward you, to Jeannie. following both of you for a long time. Thank you, Jeannie. Thanks thank for having so us. Much. It was a blast. Absolutely. Thanks so much. This episode is part of WPI's Philanthropy Plugged In podcast series exploring ideas around technology, gender, and giving. I encourage our listeners to watch WPI's four-minute video, I Tech for Good, in which Tiffany has a starring role. Find the video and details about other episodes in this podcast series at the Philanthropy Plugged In website at wpisymp.iupui.edu. For Philanthropy Plugged In, I'm Jeannie Sager. Thank you for listening. Philanthropy Plugged In is a production of the Women's Philanthropy Institute at the Indiana University, Lilly Family School of Philanthropy at Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. Music is provided by Localize.